welcome to the Wikipedia Podcast. I'm your host, Pastor Sam. And in today's episode, I had the privilege, the honor of going and interviewing Pastor Bill Tweed from Jubilee Family Church down in Oskaloosa, Iowa. And we talked all about the family and how the family importantly ties into and builds the, the, the strong foundation within society and even within churches to go and to stand against all the wiles of the devil. And of course, that includes wokeness and social justice. With strong families, we can easily defeat wokeism and social justice. Now, of course, these need to be strong biblical families. You need to actually have people who are saved and building upon biblical principles. And the family is just so important. In fact, all of the critical theory and the critical race theory and all the different kinds of critical theories that come up, they go and they attack the family uh, unit as a whole. They want to go into demolish and destroy that family unit. But before we get into that interview, I want to remind you to go over to enemieswithinthechurch.com. That's enemieswithinthechurch.com. And from the top of the screen there, you can go and see Wikipedia. Go ahead and click that, and you can find all of our newest articles and all of the different things that we have been going and figuring out. But also, up at the top, there's this red button, and it says, Donate. Now, if you feel so led, go ahead and click that Donate button and give us an amount if you appreciate the ministry that is happening from Enemies in the Church and also at Wikipedia. Go ahead and donate today. Once again, that's enemieswithinthechurch.com. But we also want to hear from you. Let us know what you think about this interview and how important the family is and how you've seen the family be attacked, because I'm sure that you have in our culture and our society today. Go ahead and contact us at contactwikipedia.com at gmail.com. Once again, that's contactwikipedia at gmail.com. But sit back and enjoy this interview with Pastor Bill Tweed. Pastor Bill, how are you doing? Pastor Bill is from Jubilee Family Church in Oskaloosa, Iowa. I'm so glad that you're with us. How are you doing today, Pastor Bill? I'm doing Bill. wonderful, and I'm enjoying the conference here, and I am just excited to be here. And have this time together. Yeah, absolutely. It's been a wonderful conference. We're over here at Cornerstone World Outreach in Sioux City, Iowa, and we have seen just, I mean, in, incredible speakers we've heard. I mean, just incredibly challenging word. Uh, it's always excellent over here. And how many, how many times do you think you've been to this conference? Because you've been to it a few more times than me. I think we've been coming around 20 years, and okay. I would say probably 14 out of those 20 years we've been here. So, a lot of times, and it's all, it's never disappoints. Amen, yeah. amen. Well, I, I'm so glad, in fact, I, I, I met you at a conference here. It wasn't mm -hmm. the uh, the homecoming conference, it was actually at the Household of Faith conference, mm -hmm. and uh, you, you spoke just absolutely, incredibly biblically, and just incredibly challenging uh, from the Word of God, specifically on the, the headship of, uh, of husbands, if I remember correct. And it was one of those things of, we'd always heard of leadership, 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 but you brought forth this idea of headship. And of course, that is just dynamic to the family. But, but I wanted to ask you a few questions. Of course, it's in the name of your church right there, Jubilee Family Church. Some things about the family and how important a family is to a nation. Why should a nation care about strong families? Well, strong families are the foundation of good churches. Good churches are the foundation of good communities. 
and cities and, and so on and so forth, states. But, but here's, here's what I think is a deeper, more spiritual reason why family is so important. You've got a father, you've got a mother, who is a, which is a helper, kind mm-hmm. of a helpmate type of person. And then you got children that are being trained by a mother and father synthesizing both male and female traits, which is truly the image of God. It's a triune concept. God is a father, son, and Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. So you have a father figure, you've got a son, which is a child figure, and Holy Spirit is a helper figure. You've got right. it in the church. You've got elder, you've got deacon, you've got congregation. God builds everything on a triunity. And if we don't understand triunity, we don't understand the family. We don't understand government, legislative, you know, judicial, and executive branch. Things are built on threes, past, present, future, proton, neutron, electron. If any one of those three are not well, it infects and affects the other two. So family is that fundamental image of God that all things are built on in a society community and in all things and so i think family is exactly and and the fact that people are trying to deconstruct it tells me that it is a very important thing yeah and and of course just like you said that three it's seen right there in the beginning of genesis chapter one where god goes and he creates adam then he creates him a helper eve and then he goes and he tells him and he says be fruitful right be fruitful multiply go make children isn't that just a, a wonderful thing now you mentioned a few things that in our society are being attacked today. Oh, absolutely. You, you, know, you, you mentioned male and female. Now, yes. what about the other 56 genders? Well, I, chromosomal reality is what I think that we need to get back to. Hard science tells Amen. us that there are, you know, based on chromosomes, there's two genders. Now, right. if, if we're going to go into the realm of fantasy, uh, it's an endless lie. Mm-hmm. And, but as long as we stick with hard science, we stick with reality, uh, I'm going to stay in that camp. And I'm going to stay with the fact that there's two genders and that God created that. And again, to create many genders is to create a false image of God. And I think right. that the fact that it takes two genders to create a child, but it takes two genders to make a well-adjusted child. Both femininity and masculinity are in our makeup. And we need to understand how that needs to be inculcated into our children in accordance with their gender. Now, can a family be a strong family unit? If there are a dad and a dad, if it's built on a, a, a homosexual marriage or, or a gay marriage, w- w- would that work? Or, or maybe a woman and a woman, would that work? No, because again, you violate the very image of God. And you know, when you go to the Old Testament, one of the names of God means great breasted one. God has maternal attributes within the Holy Spirit's framework. He has maternal, attrib- I mean, paternal in the Father God. And then in Jesus, of course, it's the one under development. Jesus grew in wisdom and in stature and with favor with God and man. And so to, for proper development to take place, Jesus was baptized with the Holy Spirit. That's how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power who went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed of the devil. We have uh, Jesus at the baptism at Jordan with John where the Father God says, This is my Son in whom I am well pleased. And so we, we have the Father, we've got the Holy Spirit coming along as the helper, and then Jesus growing in wisdom and in stature. I always say, let's look at the biblical models and derive from that what is, and I don't see two Father gods and no Holy Spirit. I don't see, uh, you know, no Jesus in the picture. It will always be a triunity. It will always be the basis of understanding uh, the image of God. And so, and that, that's the most important thing. And Satan wants to destroy the image of God. Why? So that people won't know what to look for and what is God and what isn't. 
once right. you once you destroy it's kind of like when you're looking at counterfeit money you don't look at all the counterfeits you you look over true uh money that's authentic thousands of times so then you can always recognize the false when it comes up god shows us his image many ways philip asked jesus when will you show us the father and he said if you've seen me you've seen the father you've seen me a son with the holy spirit and a father you've seen the father through that so when we have these things people will not be able to recognize god if they don't understand the triune template and image by which to measure that image from so it seems like what you're getting at is that it's not just a uh, physical problem that comes right. up or a temporal problem but it actually makes an impact on people's eternal souls as right. well yes. when we start to abandon uh, the, the biblical family and the biblical designs that God has. Now, that seems to be something that a pastor would care about quite a bit and a church would care about, right? Absolutely. You would think. Yeah, you would hope. You would hope. You would hope. <laughs> now, it, if, if this is, is one of those things where it's not just impacting the physical reality, but it's also impacting the, the spiritual reality, can a society truly survive if they abandon these realities that God has created within the family? Well, my people perish for a lack of knowledge. Over time, when you're on a wrong template and you have a wrong image, uh, it's going to be a breakdown. As we can see, there is a breakdown now. The divorce rate is very high. Mm -hmm. uh, children are committing suicide at a higher, excuse me, uh, incidence than ever before. And I think that the family is broken and we have more broken people as a result of it. And I think that it's broken because we don't really understand the purpose because one of the purposes, the higher purposes of family in Ephesians, it talks about that the man is to have the role of Christ. Mm -hmm. The wife is to be the role of the bride. And just in that alone, what that shows is a man needs to lay down his life in love. Right. Jesus laid down his life in love for his bride. And the wife, her expression of love is to honor and submit to that love that lays down its life. When you don't understand that, marriage does not work. If right. you've got two people competing uh, instead of completing one another, what you're going to have is strife and one trying to be uh, extracting more for myself out of the marriage instead of what can I put into my partner uh, to complement and make better the marriage. And then, of course, good marriages produce good children because they've got role models of mothers and fathers. So it just all plays into itself, and it, and it is self-sustaining. Right. There, there are really three things that you touched on there that are, I think are just so important. The, the, the first one there is that idea of going and laying down your life for someone. The husband goes and lays down his right. life for his wife. Now, where that comes and plays a role in the nation is yes. that if you don't have young men specifically who are willing to go into lay down their life for their nation, how strong is their military going to be? Well, it will not be strong. And, and when, when you haven't got that understanding that, that there's certain causes that are worth dying for mm -hmm. and, and that uh, the marital relationship is worth protecting my wife and children, that's worth dying for. Absolutely. Protecting our nation and the families and the children of our nation is worth dying for because Jesus died on the cross for every single person in our nation. And if we're Christ-like, we have that same no greater love than this that a man laid down his life for his friend. Right, so it's, it, it's that true biblical love that brings forth virtue and courage yes. that goes and just creates the American exceptionalism that we've seen in the military. But another thing you touched on was you said 
that, that it creates strife, if we don't have the right prescription for family and for marriage specifically, that it creates strife. Yeah. Now, can a, a, a house divided stand and can a nation <laughs> divided stand? Well, Jesus said emphatically no. And when we don't know our role, and if we're trying to compete instead of complete, we don't understand our roles, you have confusion. And where there's confusion and strife, there's every evil work. So it lays the foundation for evil to reign when there's, when there's confusion, there's envy and strife. So I believe this, the, the devil wants to create uh, a world of confusion. Mm -hmm. the, the Marxist creates, Machiavellianism creates the confusion, then comes and says, well, we've got the answer for it. We'll fix it. We'll grow government. We'll centralize government. We'll take away your rights to, to fix this problem. So basically, uh, you know, the devil wants to create confusion to be diversionary, number one, and then a false savior coming in with bigger government to fix it. And then, but it never really gets fixed. And so family gets destroyed along the way. The deconstruction of family has to occur before the construction of loyalty to the state. King Saul, uh, when he was chosen, the first thing he did is he deconstructed loyalty to the, to the family. And he took the sons and made them part of the military. He took the daughters and the private small businesses and made them part of his military government complex. And, and you can see, and then he started to confiscate all the land. All, all three of those are socialist tenets, which is really socialism is nothing more than the institutional vehicle of antichrist. It's antithetical to Christianity in every tenet. So when, when we start doing these things, it isn't just family. You've got three institutions. You've got the family, you've got the church, and you've got the government. If any one of them is sick, it will affect the other two, as I said earlier. Yep. And so uh, if, the, if the Marxists can get in and at least deconstruct the family, they'll have a foot into the church. Right. If you have a foot into the church, you know, with social justice and wokeism, you'll have a, a foothold into the government eventually. And they're very patient. Right. Right. And, it, it, and this is the other thing that's interesting because it goes right into what you're saying with this whole loyalty to the state. When you have strong families, you yeah. create strong children yes. and they have virtue, they have morality, they're, they're living for, well, what their parents live the for. The right cause. Right. The yeah. right cause. Yes. Now, if you weaken that family, then you have weaker children and they're no longer yeah. loyal and getting passed down uh, virtue and morality from their parents. Now it's the state that's passing that down. Right. And God didn't create the state to do that. No. And so what happens when the state starts passing down virtue or morality, or lack of virtue, I probably should say, or lack of morality, what ends up happening to these children? What, what, what does that next generation look like? Well, it's a, it's a creation of a false a surrogate parent and, and, and also a, a false idea. And again, it, it deconstructs the image of God, which I keep saying that, but it's so important to understand that. And, and I think that children who leave their parents then gender identity is more easily um, molded or changed because you don't have a male and a female properly react, responding to each other. What you have is an institutionalization of the family. And when you institutionalize that, then they're looking for role models. They're looking for things uh, that um, will give them direction. And like Hitler, he, he deconstructed the family by putting the kids in sports tournaments every Sunday morning. Mm. And then he That's raised... something I've seen happen recently too. Yeah. It wasn't just Hitler who did that. It seems like we're doing that today. Yeah. And so, and then he told that your, your parents are old fashioned and, and they aren't, you know, really up to speed. They're not really, you know, a bunch of intellectual giants. They still believe in this church business. They're still going there. And, and I, and I saw that. And then this great loyalty to the Reich. And then we see where you need to create children for Mother Germany. 
You know, it's always mm-hmm. Mother Russia. So the state takes on maternal and paternal traits. And this like Antichrist is pseudo Christos. Mm-hmm. Anti doesn't just mean adversarial, but it means like false. And, and it's a counterfeit. And so the counterfeit uh, mother and father become the state. And then they can brainwash them to do what they want them to do. And of course, the nation that does that is looking at destruction over time, which Hitler eventually everything was destroyed you 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 break the family you break down the church the government will eventually fall absolutely self-collapse yeah i I mean and it's just not sustainable it's just not sustainable um the government needs strong churches which it's interesting because as it centralizes yeah uh it it weakens the churches and and the government needs strong families absolutely once again as it centralizes it weakens those families but ultimately it does it to to its own harm absolutely yeah. And, and we see that it is just I- incredible to realize that these governments are going and destroying themselves by going and destroying the family. And we're going to dive a little bit further into that. Mm-hmm. But before we do that, we're going to take a quick break. And so stay with us, everyone. Thank you for listening to Wokipedia. Stay with us. We'll be right back after a quick break. Hey, Kyle here, co-host and producer at Wikipedia Media, and I hope you are enjoying this interview, and it was such a wonderful time when we could have all three Wikipedia hosts together in one location to do some live interviews, and we've got a lot of exciting ones coming forth in the next month or so, uh, depending on the exact release schedule. We also have a lot of exciting announcements that are going to be released over the next month or so. <laughs> I don't want to spoil them because not everything is finalized, but I am truly excited where this ministry is heading. Speaking of that, we need your feedback. I know we push it all the time, but we really do. We need you to contact us at w- contactwokipedia at gmail.com. Again, contact Wikipedia at gmail.com. That is also in the description of this podcast. You can find our contact information. Uh, you can also leave comments if the uh, wherever the platform is that you're listening to this. If it has comments, we read them. But again, we need that feedback. We want to make sure that we are targeting things, we're explaining things, we're hitting the things that you care about that are being a valuable resource to you, that are enabling you to better defend the church, better explain wokeness to people who are being pulled in by it. We need that feedback to help improve that. We also need you to go to enemieswithinthechurch.com. If you haven't watched the movie, watch it while you're there, but please consider donating. Having all three of us together for a period of time was wonderful, but that's not cheap. And all the expansions and great opportunities that we have are not cheap either. So if you feel led, go to enemieswithinthechurch.com and donate. We hope that we're presenting ourselves in a way that shows you exactly what you are supporting and what you are getting with those donations. On top of that, we are looking for sponsors and not the worldly type sponsors that you might see uh, in other places, but we are looking for good, solid Christian companies and ministries 
that are looking for a partnership and they want to support a good ministry. Again, we want to make sure it's a good fit on both ends, but we are looking for those partnerships. Email us at wikipediamedia at gmail.com. Again, that is also in the description of this podcast. Beyond that, if you have a ministry that is valuable, that is equipping the church, that is defending it against error, against wokeness, against whatever it is, email us at uh, wikipediamedia at gmail.com as well. Even if you can't pay for a sponsorship, pay for an ad, we are in the business of promoting ministries that are valuable to the church. Again, this is not a labor of profits. This is a labor of love. This is a ministry handed to the church. We need to cover the bills. We need to make sure that there's money to keep things moving forward, but we want to promote valuable resources. Again, contact us. Contact wikipedia at gmail.com. Business inquiries, wikipediamedia at gmail.com. Now, let's get back to the interview on the family. And we've been talking, Pastor Bill, uh, all about this whole idea of how the family is so important to a nation. Yes. It, it is just so vital. But one thing that I was thinking when you were, you were speaking about this, you were saying, you know, the, uh, the, of course, we've got God the Father. He's a father figure. We've got God yeah. the Son. He's like a, a, a child figure, right? That makes sense. But we've got the Holy Spirit, and you were saying something about maternal attributes, and I just want to make sure, are you saying that the Holy Spirit is a woman? No, no. I want to emphatically say the Holy Spirit is not a woman, but we see in the Old Testament names that reveal to us that, you know, helper, great breasted one, that the Holy Spirit would display maternal attributes of okay. the image of God. Because when in Genesis one twenty six it says God created man uh, in his own image, created he male and female. So if the mm -hmm. image is partly female, then it's reflecting a component of God's character, not God's person. Right. And, and, and so it's an attribute. It's not God's gender. <laughs> right. So, so this would kind of be the idea that the Holy Spirit is our comforter. Like yes. That. You know, when, when we've got a screaming child at home, I don't know how this works out. You know, I'll go and pick up the child. I'll balance the child. Yes. I'll go and do, do all those things. And the child will keep crying. But my wife will come over and she'll do the exact same thing. And immediately that child just nestles in. There is an amazing attribute there that women have indeed now yes. when, when it comes to a pickle jar i'm the guy to ask my <laughs> wife can't get the pickle jar open but i can get that pickle jar open every single time i have not met a pickle jar that can defeat me yet that's awesome <laughs> <laughs> but but i did want to talk about some really important issues that are, are facing our nation right now now the first one is that gay marriage or homosexual marriage or Hopefully we don't get thrown off the air for this one, as I, I called it in a sermon not too long ago, sodomite marriage yes. has come to the forefront once again. Yes. Now, it, it was back at the forefront about 12 years ago in our nation, 12, 14, 10 years ago in that kind of a, a span, yeah. and it kind of laid dormant. But all of a sudden, because of Roe versus Wade getting overturned, people getting worried about Obergefell getting overturned, yeah. here we have it again. Should pastors and churches speak out against gay marriage well god is the creator of marriage therefore he is the definer of marriage 
Amen. And the scriptures are God's word on that subject. And so we are called not to give our opinion. We're not called to reflect the culture. We're not called to put out good ideas. The pastor is called to preach the word in season and out. And he's to put down when people turn to fables and mm -hmm. when they have itching ears and they want to hear certain things. We have a very clear mandate uh, that there will be those who will turn away from the truth and be turned unto fables. Our job is to keep that from happening. Another place it says that, uh, that there will be those who will depart from the faith giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of demons. So I believe that these things uh, are, are the pastor's job to faithfully bring to the culture what God says about his institution that he created, he defines, and he gives approval on as, as to this is what I desire. So I, I believe that when uh, you have people trying to take this, and, and, and I would not go and take your creation and, and try to define it. Mm -hmm. Because if it came out of your heart, uh, then you'd be the one that would give definition to it because you're the one that created it. It's the prerogative of the creator to always give the definition of its creation. So, and I've said that about three times now, but I want to emphasize that, that that's our starting point is the word of God. Right. And secondly, our purpose is to communicate that. Thirdly, when you look at all the statistics about gay marriage, what you'll find out is it's not a lifestyle, it's a death style. First of mm -hmm. all, it is in the law of God in Leviticus. I believe it's in the 20 or 21st chapter of Leviticus. It talks about those who commit uh, the, the sin of homosexuality, uh, that they shall surely be put to death. Well, today we don't, through the civil institutional means, put anyone to death. But the sin itself is like uh, a death sentence on one's own self. Because mm. uh, in, the in the homosexual community, the suicide rate is astronomically more than it is in the heterosexual community. Uh, domestic is. violence is, uh, multiple partnerships and failed marriages and relationships are escalated almost unbelievable numbers. Mm -hmm. And, and so between suicide, between diseases and, and many other things that, that plague that, uh, lifestyle tells me that it's not a life producing, uh, idea. It's a death producing idea. So if you love people, you warn them about it. You know, it, it's like this. If, if a young man came up to me, he said, I find that gal very beautiful. And I know that that gal's married to a Navy SEAL. And he says, you know, I, I would love to just experience her in, in every way. And, and, and if, if I were, if I did not care about that young boy, I would say, yeah, you know, you really ought to try to take her out and form a relationship and steal her from her husband. Uh, no, I would say, no, young man, that Navy SEAL will rip your head off. <laughs> it's not a good idea, even though your, uh, your lower nature is crying out that you want to do this. Just because one's lower nature wants to do this doesn't mean it's going to be good for you. Uh, or the guy that says, you know, I would, I, there's hundreds of women that I could really uh, enjoy. And, and I, w I would have to say to him, yeah, and you'd be the most miserable man on earth. Yep. Just because there's a sexual propensity, proclivity, does not mean that it's right, uh, that it's going to be fulfilling, <clears throat> that it's not going to hurt a whole lot of people. But see, God understands the sexual relationship that is appropriate, that is life-producing. And if we love people, we're warning them against a lifestyle that is destructive.
Absolutely. So there you have it, folks. Love warns. And that is so important to remember because when we don't re realize that love warns, we're not going to be loving our neighbor. In fact, we're going to be hating our neighbor. But Pastor Bill, I do want to know, how do you respond to some of these common objections? Mm -hmm. uh, like, well, why do you care what I would do in my bedroom? Now, of course, I'm not saying this for me. I'm just saying what other people would be saying. We're right. on the same page on this. Right. But, but how, how do you respond to somebody who says, why do you want to monitor what's going on in my bedroom? Well, number one, spiritually, because God's judgment can come upon a nation for what certain people do. You go back into the Bible in uh, Joshua, the sixth chapter, and Achan, who was uh, disobedient when they, the walls of Jericho came down. They marched around, the walls came down, and they were told to take that first battle, and all the booty was to be put into the temple treasury. And yet he said, uh, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to steal some of it and go put it under my bed. And so the next time they went out to warfare, they lost their, the battle. And so the sin of one can affect many. That's right. Uh, because God's judgment can come upon many for the sin of one. So that's the number one thing, just from the spiritual side of it. The sin of many, the sin of one will become many. Mm -hmm. And the sin of many will corrupt many. And so when you have all the teachers now pushing for this, you have all your children's friends surrounding them with a peer pressure pushing this. What it does, it begins to affect my child. Because when it, when it becomes pervasive in the culture, then what we have is a, uh, a lowering down of the walls to greater acceptance to something that I do not believe in and I do not want my family and my children that I'm responsible before God to, to be raised up in a culture uh, that is inculcating that and influencing and tempting and drawing my children away into it. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we started off with tolerance, right? You, you need to yeah. tolerate homosexuality. Right. Then we move to acceptance, right? Yes. Now you have to accept my lifestyle as the norm. Yes. And now we moved into... Participation. Yeah, well, participation and... Education, uh, yeah. And we will take your children. We will corrupt yeah. your children. That's, that's what they boldly have proclaimed against us. There's, so, a, I mean, there's a man's, a homosexual men's choir that sings a song that we will. Right. Come, we will have your children. So that, that's an expressed uh, goal that answers our question very clearly why we don't let this get started because it only grows as with sin with drug addiction porn addiction all manners of addiction of sexual perversity it only grows and then wants to include more right and and i don't mean to be grotesque or anything like that but the the way that homosexuals reproduce because they don't reproduce like a heterosexual couple because well the parts don't fit the reality of it is is that the way that they reproduce is through pedophilia they go and they actually um, molest little children. And that's, uh, if you go and you talk to anybody in the gay community, they've all been molested. They've all been, uh, been abused. And I mean, it is a terrible thing. And so it is just a culture of abuse uh, within the homosexual community. And so it is something that we should stand against as a nation. But there is another really big thing that's been going on in our nation. And of course, this is the overturning of Roe versus Wade. Yeah. Now, uh, I, I've gotten some pushback, of course, and I'm sure you have too, going and seeing this in our culture. But, but why should a culture, I know, <laughs> I, I feel dumb just asking this question, right? Why should a culture care about killing children? Well, why, why would a pastor care? Well, in, in Psalms 106, it says that they intermingled with heathens and they sacrificed their children unto devils. And then the consequence that God declared over those acts of unrighteousness was that he would turn them over to their enemies 
and they would rule over them. Mm. You know, all I got to do is look at China. All I got to do is, is look at Russia. All I've got to do is look at, uh, you know, Al-Qaeda and, and these different Islam movements uh, to know that they would like to rule over us. And, right. and when, when you kill babies, uh, see, what people don't understand, that Paul said in Corinthians, they that worship <clears throat> idols unknowingly worship demons. Mm-hmm. Cognition is, is irrelevant at this point. Uh, you may be cognitive of worshiping a devil. You may not be. But if God says if you worship an idol, you are worshiping. And, and if you are sacrificing your children to idols, you're actually sacrificing them to devils. Devils right. go before God accusing the saints mm-hmm. uh, all the time. He, they want to have a case against us to bring against us. And then the murder of children, it also says that there will be a blood there will have to be an adjudication of innocent blood being shed. God brings that adjudication through judgments and turning people over to foreign nations to oppress them. You know, it says also in Leviticus that when uh, it's not only the people who killed, but the people who stayed by and allowed the killing of the children as sacrifices to idols will also be held responsible. So me as a citizen, it's not, I can't, abdicate responsibility says all those wicked people that are killing their babies in the womb i have to be actively working against that or i become party uh, an accomplice to this egregious act of killing babies absolutely you know one thing that that sin is is that it is lawlessness or the transgression against the law and one thing we always look at that and we think oh man it's just the negative things don't do this don't do that But the reality of it is, is that there are hundreds of positive laws. Yes. Do this, do this, do this, and do these things. And then it tells us in the book of James that to him who sees good and does not do it, to him it is a sin. And so therefore, when we go and we see this idea, what ends up happening when we stand by and do nothing, it is sin on our part. Amen. Sins of commission and sins of omission. Right. Commission is to go and, and do an act that is sinful, and then the sin of omission is to omit to do an act that is righteous. Absolutely. Well, Pastor Bill, is there anything you'd like to tell our listeners here before we go? My, my greatest concern is that as we are pastors, that we run, we should be running our churches. Or, I don't know if running them is a good word, but we should be leading our churches with a father-like figure. The Bible says, mm-hmm. if you know not how to rule your own house, how can you rule the house of God? Right. And, and a father loves his wife and his children. And the church really is a family-like entity. And, and my prayer is love your family and think in terms of the people in your church. Would you want the things that you're allowing your church members to do to be the things that you would allow your own children to do. Wow. That's always been a template for me. Um, you know, for instance, I've had people come and say, well, what about this sin? What do you think about doing this? And, and I always say, well, all I can tell you is what I would do. I would not let my children do that. And I love you as much as I love my own children. And mm-hmm. that's why I'm asking you to please not do that. And so my father, father's heart applies to my pastoral role because of what Paul said in 1 Timothy 3, that the same way I rule my house is the way I rule my church. And it's out of compassion and love and to protect my children from sin and the same sins I want to protect my congregants from in the same way. 
Absolutely. Well, that is just incredible advice that every pastor needs to take to go and to lead his church just like that. And Pastor Bill, thank you so much for coming on and joining us today. And thank you for listening to Wokipedia. Have a great day and keep standing for the truth.